I think personal branding is the one thing that is really exploding right now. And sometimes I've even seen like companies hiring just because someone have a big personal brand, right? It's really how to get stuff out there these days. Adam, welcome. Nice to be here. So first of all, thank you so much for your time. There's a like two core areas I want to dig into like for this discussion. First is your approach to demand gen at GetAccept. I want to understand, like, did you pioneer the change in the way GetAccept markets itself? I want to dig into that. And then kind of separately, I want to understand more about like your advocacy, I guess, about this demand gen movement and the work you're doing there and kind of why you're doing it and the impact it's having. Does that sound good? Yeah, sounds good. Two big topics, but I'm excited for sure. Before we actually jump in though, I have a question. How much are you currently deadlifting? 200 kilos. I, currently, you're saying I'm a father now. So uh, I'm probably down at uh, 180 maybe kilos. So uh, yeah. But that is massive. I think I do like 130. It's going down day by day now. But that is absolutely massive for one rep, right? This is one, one rep max. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, incredible. So in like next week, it'll be 160 and then you'll be at my level. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> this is downside to kids. It's going to hurt my raw rep maxes. Maybe I should delay that. But anyway, <laughs> let's talk about, um, forget except. When did you join? I joined GetAccept about one and a half years ago now. Got it. So yeah, I've been there for a while now and kind of both developing, as you said, the manual strategy, but also the team and so on. I think before I joined my CMO, Frida, she joined about three years ago. So, and at that point we were three marketers, I believe. Today we are 27. Wow. Like kind of the marketing team as a whole at Demandian, at the GetAccept had like a massive transition and massive growth. And then Demandian was of course a big part of that eventually. So the like, would you say that the Demandian like thing was happening at GetAccept before you joined? I think uh, I won't like take credit for pioneering it completely. And for sure, certain things were already going in that way. I think one thing that was very clear before I entered GetAccept was the kind of executive buy-in for marketing and the value of marketing. So there have never been like any big question marks on, oh, why should we spend money there? So that was super good for me when I came in and wanted to do certain changes that we can talk about in a second. But like to, in the beginning, have the, both the, the CMO, the CEO, the CFO all on board, like marketing is important. We want to grow our brand because we believe that will create value and create revenue. So that was actually already in place. Uh, much thanks to my CMO, Frida, of course. I was going to say. And it was also a really vital part for me to join. I think that was like in the interview process and all of that, you want to get a feel for where the company are, how they approach marketing. And that was probably the main reason why I felt so excited about joining. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to say shout out to Frida for like setting that up. <laughs> yeah. So in the interview, you were like, how do you like, is the CEO a big fan of marketing? Probably in a better way. You probably asked that question better, but you actually, this was a thing you wanted to. Yeah, 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 exactly. Because I think that's, that really says it all. The CEO doesn't have to completely understand marketing, but just, I think, has to understand why it's important, at least. I think that's important. And maybe let marketing do its thing without pushing too many, having too many boundaries and so on. I think that's important. So demand gen was a thing, but there were still changes to make. And then we fast forward to June 2022, and there's a ATH, an all-time high for both ARR and marketing sourced ARR. So I want to just go through this year and a half, understand 
what you've changed and if that has impacted or if that has led to, would you say, the results you achieved in June? Yeah, and I think that's the tricky part with Demandian, right? Usually it means that we will have a less measurable marketing strategy, so it will be hard to, to account for results right away. But now when one and a half years has actually passed, it's great to be able to see some results, right? Otherwise, it will be hard to justify all the changes we've made, mm-hmm. to be completely honest. But yes, I think usually when, when some people think of Demandian, they think of, yeah, we, we got to ungate stuff. That's where it is. And of course, that's one thing. That was maybe the first thing we did at GetAccept when I joined. We started, we didn't have any gated things anymore because we wanted stuff to be visible as much as possible. That is one small thing. But I think the main thing that we really started looking at when I joined was like, okay, this is our sales funnel, however it works. How much revenue is actually coming through it? And how much revenue is coming in from what we call then the high intent buyers, maybe the people that have raised their hands? And then how much is coming in from all the other sources that we have? For us, for example, it was freemiums. Because usually free trials or freemiums at SaaS companies account for a very large portion of the leads, but a very small portion of the ARR. And that was the exact same thing we saw. And I think the exact same thing I've seen at all companies I've been working on. And after I, we could kind of see that in numbers, it was quite easy then to, okay, how do we then shift our focus to get more of these high intent buyers. Because one thing that was quite clear for us was that most buyers, or right now for us, is not educated enough. They aren't, they are too far up the buying cycle to even yeah, be part of our sales process, to be honest. So that was really the main first thing we did. And I would say the main thing everyone should do when they're starting at the company in demand. Yeah. yeah. Got it. So it's understanding like where the revenues come from, like which sources, because you might have coming through the website, you might have coming through like free trials, et cetera, and demos on the site, which could be a separate. Yeah. There's also like outbound or there's events and there's other things, right? And so exactly, I don't know if you can share like exact numbers, but as you joined, what percentage of revenue was coming through like the inbound sales motion on the website, roughly? Yeah, no, but I would, I would say it was still pretty high, like the amount of revenue. I, I still think Freed and the team that was there before me have had created a motion that have actually grown a lot. So I think it was probably at least 50%. Then we have grown that now over the years, if we say. But I I still think for us, I would say outbound and things like that is still very important because that is also somewhat of a brand builder as well when we get to talk to people. I would say, especially here in Europe, we are present in both the US and in, in Europe and so on. I would say in Europe, outbound is still very much a viable channel. In the US, of course, it's a lot harder for sure. And it's more people are relying more on emails and things like that. But here, I think a personal outbound can be a really good brand builder and yeah, definitely a deal developer. So I think we, we rely on both a bit. And that's one thing we try to do in Demandian is to work very close with our SDR team and to make sure that we, because they are usually the first instance that talk to our high intent buyers. And we all know that attribution usually works so-so, so we can't really be sure um, of that. But when they actually talk to a prospective buyer, they have a good feeling around how they found us, around what they're looking for. And that's how we really get the feedback we need. So that has also been key, I would say, to really have that relationship with the SDR team. Got it. And so apart from outbound and then like inbound through the site, are there any other like partnerships or events that you use that contribute to revenue? Yeah, for sure. I would say that 
lucky thing about Get Accept also is that they have always been very strong in terms of events. That was really how marketing started at Get Accept. They started hacking all of these big events when they were only a few people, hacking Saster, hacking all these big events, not paying for a booth, but instead just showing up in the serving coffee to the long queues that were outside and things like that. So I think they have always been, and they also, we have always had these like crazy TV suits on us to, to be visible in events. So it, I think brand has always been a, an important part in Get Accept, even when we didn't have like a marketing department. So I feel like to have that as a base and then develop it more into a story have been really proficient and efficient, I would say. It has been, usually it's the other way around where no one had worked on brand or events and mm-hmm. that's what we have to build up. But I would say we were already pretty strong with events and our brand was pretty strong. So it was more of how do we make this into a complete story and decide which channels we should distribute. Yeah ourselves in and so on. Got it. And so what are like the key initiatives you have invested in since joining? I would say there are a couple, of course, but as I said, we started out with just defining, okay, what what drives revenue? What doesn't drive revenue? And then it was more of, okay, what can we actually cut here that doesn't drive revenue? Paid search is one of those things where we usually put a lot of money, right? We put it on Google, we put it on Bing. And one thing that we did pretty quick was to really try and cut a lot of the garbage out in paid search. And I believe many companies just, there is a lot of money flushing out in the Google Ads platform and not really driving any revenue. Because that's also one thing we saw. The majority of the revenue that got in from paid search was through brand, right? But obviously, they didn't hear about us on Google. Obviously, they heard about us from somewhere else. Event, paid social, whatever. So I think one key thing from the start was the transition to uh, more of a paid social model. Okay, what channels in paid social are most efficient for us and where can we bump our story up? And what we've seen so far is by doing that is that also the inbound ARR is increasing from paid search, even though we might spend increase more on paid social channels, for example. And I think that has also been a great realization that that usually people hear about us from somewhere else before searching on Google these days, even though, of course, sometimes that happens as well. Yeah, it sounds like you just have to be more intelligent about attribution, right? Because that's so interesting that you were getting a boost in paid spend, no, boost on paid search through the increased budget on paid social. Okay, so we cut out, we saved some budget from these keywords that I assume were not like converting or just like too high up the funnel, I guess. Yeah. Shifted some of that to paid social. What was the strategy on paid social? Was it through LinkedIn with like, I don't know, case study ads? Yeah. The strategy on, on paid social, I would say, was to kind of first define what channels we wanted to be present in. I usually believe that fewer channels in the beginning, the better, because it's, yeah, it's quite hard to keep track of too many channels. So we chose LinkedIn, of course, but also Facebook. I still think Facebook is a pretty viable channel these days, especially with all of these tools where you can kind of narrow down the target groups also on Facebook. So that have helped us tremendously. And then it was more, we have done a lot of work on paid social before, but I would say that it was more static. We were thinking in terms of like, people are moving from top funnel, middle funnel, bottom funnel. And when we started putting more attention to paid social, we kind of shifted that around because we never know where a buyer is in the sales process, right? And we we never know how far they are. 
And that was one of the realizations we made. We obviously need to educate people more, but we also never know where they are. So we need to kind of create material for the entire buyer funnel, but we need to send everything to everyone since we don't know. And we also changed to more of a looking at engagement metrics. We don't think that our buyers will be direct response from paid social channels. So they won't come in and book a demo immediately from a paid social ad. But instead, we want to see that the direct traffic increases. We want to see that the brand-related searches increase. We want to see that the engagement in the platform increases. Then we are doing a good job in social. And then like long-term, we obviously see that the high-intent demo request increases. But that can be from any source, really. I think that's also key to realize that paid social might not be a great channel for direct response if you're not selling like a consumer good. I guess that's different. Yeah. So you started investing more in this, like as you joined over the past year or so. And then now you're really starting to see the benefits, e.g. with the all-time high in marketing source revenue in June. Yeah, exactly. And that's also one thing, like if people start transitioning to more of a demand generation model, if you say so, or, or just more of a revenue focused model, the results will, it will take time. And especially the results down will go very fast. You know, the, the MQL levels and the lead levels, they will get lower, obviously, pretty fast. And that's usually when the panic hits for companies. And then it's usually shift and revert back and then it's all to a waste. So I think that's also important. You will probably need like a year, right? To Maybe not a year to see any results, but maybe a year to see the results you are really looking for. And I think that's important. Fortunately, you had the CEO and CFO on site already. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not like we have to argue against them sometimes too. But still, it's, uh, yeah, I think we are a, a great tag team here, for sure. I saw one of your retargeting ads that you posted personally on LinkedIn, and it had, I think, somebody within your team just juggling. Yeah. And so what I liked about this is that you're like showing the personality of the brand, but also displaying the value proposition, which is enabling salespeople to, I guess, manage their deals yeah. or juggle deals, right? Yeah. Could you share more about like how you got to producing that ad? Because I think it was brilliant. No, and that's also one thing we have seen on social, different things work, work differently, right? But, but we prioritize engagement a lot. So what engages our audience the most? And usually it is stuff with our people because they are really our brand. And it's usually something around humor. So when we combine our people and humor, that's really where we get the most engagement. So that was really like the baseline for that ad. And then we, we just, the juggling was a funny, fun that it ended up being juggling, but we were more looking for different types of skill sets in the company. And then we found we had someone that knew how to juggle. We had someone that knew how to riff a guitar solo. And we had someone knew how to dunk a basketball, right? So that kind of became the three, three retargeting ads. And I think that's really key in, in tech these days is to try and stand out because everyone is really competitive in the feed. You know, in IT tech, everyone that's like trying to target the IT tech companies, the salespeople within those companies, they are seeing a lot of different ads. And then to try and create something that doesn't look like an ad, but gives them something, that's really what we try to achieve. Yeah. So those we have, yeah, we have been receiving a lot of good feedback on those, even though it's not like we can't really tell and educate a lot in such an ad, but we spark some kind of interest maybe. And that's the whole point. Yeah. Yeah. Let's say, yeah, you're like, I think it's, Effective in communicating the value of the product there, or it yeah. did for me through a, through a very clear metaphor. And so to clarify the all-time high in June, so it's marketing source revenue. So is this essentially 
revenue that closed that came through the website. Yeah, that's correct. Cool. Awesome. And that was an all-time high in June. Yeah, that was an all-time high. And we had an all-time high for total revenue. So that was also like, it's not like we're just seeing like the marketing is working. We're seeing like also the outbound motions are working better, which is reasonable if people know more about our brand, right? We will never be able to prove that, of course, but I, I'm pretty confident that it helps. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you might be able to get some qualitative feedback from one sales rep who pings you in Slack saying, great work, guys. I just reached out cold to this person and they said they loved your LinkedIn retargeting ad. Do you know what I mean? So that's like, yeah, exactly. And they have heard about you us before, right? And that's like, I feel when I say to normal people that doesn't work in B2B, talk about these big B2B companies, no one knows who they are. But in the B2B sphere, it's a completely different story. Yeah, it's actually like one of the best feelings as a marketer when someone in sales is like happy with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know if that's... It's rare, but it happens. <laughs> They're like, oh yeah, I heard of you guys. Yeah, it's like the absolute <laughs> dream. It, it makes you look really good. Okay, awesome. So that's get accept. Yep. And so the marketing team, you said, has gone from three to how many? 27? Yeah, 27 today, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And you, your plans is still growing? I think we will try to be a bit static for once. You know, when mm-hmm. we're growing as a marketing team also, it, it puts a lot of, we need a lot more processes and a lot of... Yeah. Uh, that's the tricky part, right? Because now we have a big engine that we need to kind of oil. So yeah, I think we will stay like this for a while. And then of course, we will move with the company as we grow. But um, I think we have a really good structure right now where we've kind of built out the teams we think that we need right now. Now it's more about getting, I think last year was about growing and getting everyone up to speed. And now this year is really about hopefully exploding. Not in terms of growing the number of employees, but more in terms of hopefully growing the revenue. Exactly. Are you happy to like roughly share like the group, like how you split the team of 27 into different groups? Yeah, yeah, sure. We have a couple of different teams that are, we call them global teams. And then we have a couple of different teams that are more regional teams because we are, as I said before, we are both in the US and we are in Europe. So we have a demand team that I lead that is responsible for Europe. And then we have a similar demand team, but that are responsible for the US. And of course, we collaborate on all of that. But we have kind of, since our go-to-market model is pretty different in US versus Europe, because it's US is a way more competitive market and we need to do different things there. We decided to split it that way. So two kind of demand regional teams. Then we have a couple of global teams that's more all over the place. We have a brand team. We have designers. We are everything related to the brand, to events and all of that. We have a content team that are a lot of resources when we create stuff. It can be everything from SEO to paid social ads to everything related to content. We have a partner team that I would say is very important. I would say that we are, for many companies, very much an add-on to their CRM, right? So having a partnership with these big CRM vendors is really critical for us and to get that yeah, partnership going. So that's really valuable. Uh, we also have a web team. So handling all of our web stuff and the CRO and all of those things. And finally, we have a product marketing team. And I would say product marketing team is probably the last one we've added now where we really see that, okay, our customer base is growing, our revenue is growing, our product is getting more and more complex. We need to really have a team that understands this whole picture. Yeah. So that's it right now, I think. Yeah. Sounds good. So I want to switch now more to like the work that you've been doing both through the podcast and through your, like, I guess, personal brand slash LinkedIn profile. 
And it's more like educating and building awareness for the category of demand gen specifically in Europe. Yeah, yeah, sure. Why did you start doing this? I think in the past few years, I've been a part of a lot of different communities, marketing communities as a whole. And, you know, we all have seen the rise of demand yeah, as a topic. And it has mainly, to be honest, been very US centric in terms of who talks about it. I would say we have all of these refined labs. It's a great example, of course, the, the big influencer in the space of Demandian. But there's a, the, there has been very few from Europe or surrounding areas that have been talking about this space, even though we are a lot of people working in it. So that was kind of one part of why I wanted to do something with it. And the second part was also that I've been in all of these communities. Many of them are very... Big. There are very big like marketing communities where we talk about all of these different things. And they didn't really provide any value to me specifically. Sometimes they did, of course, but it was like finding a needle in a haystack. So I really wanted to find something, niche it down a lot and really talk about just this topic that I'm very passionate about. And then I found, you know, started a podcast called The Demand Generation Movement, started interviewing some people and starting, of course, learning from them. And then it grew into a small community and then we, we talked to each other there. And it has community, of course, it helps when people are in the same time zone, we can talk to each other. That's like the, the US, Europe the differentiation. But I also believe that sometimes in Europe, we are not necessarily behind, but we are yeah, not always the same challenges. So I think it's great. Yeah, I totally agree. And so this is something that you're doing set, completely separate from Get Accept. It's like your own thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool. It's completely on my spare time, so to say. And they're like supportive of it. They're like happy that you're doing this. It's like supporting your, I guess it's improving, it's like increasing awareness for them, right? Because if people follow you, they know you work for GetAccept. Yeah, exactly. I think it really helps them as well. I've heard like on a couple of occasions, like, oh yeah, GetAccept, it's where uh, Adam and Frida comes from. And uh, like something like, and that really says it all. I think personal branding is the one thing that is really exploding right now. And Sometimes I've even seen like companies hiring just because someone have a big personal brand, right? Mm. It's really hard to get stuff out there these days. And it's almost like they should be sponsoring you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Next level, maybe. I think it's so funny. Like when I, let's say I post something from my personal profile or when I post something on the company profile, it doesn't really matter what I post, but I, it will engage a lot more if I post it like personally, right? So, I mean, imagine that everyone in the company would have, I don't know, 10K plus followers that are really relevant in your ICP. That would be like crazy how you could reach out to them. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I don't know, I totally agree that companies looking to like recruit for a role, more and more they're looking at like, we're getting this person, but we're also going to get the attention that this person generates every month. Yeah. Right. And so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think. It's like, it's almost like the, the company hiring should like project their cost per click and then look at the next two to three years of how much they spend per click from their like LinkedIn ads <laughs> and then add that onto what they offer the person they're hiring. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. That would be awesome. And I guess it doesn't say anything in regards to how good you are in a role, how big of an influencer you are, for sure. I think that's also important to note. It doesn't, the biggest influencers out there in Demandian might not necessarily be the best demand marketer for a scale-up company. Because I guess when people are, I think that is something I've also been realizing this past year. For me, it's super important to always continue to execute. 
I feel like if I would move into more of a just a strategic role, then I would really lose a lot of my skills and knowledge really fast because that's kind of how we learn all the time, right? And I feel like a lot of people, maybe when they grow bigger and bigger, that's what happens. It becomes more a strategic position and less like an ex- yeah, execution role. Yeah, they go hand in hand, right? You want to spend time talking and thinking about it, but then actually doing it because then they both feed each other. Yeah, exactly. But you do actually have sponsors already on the demand generation movement, right? Yeah, exactly. And I feel like that's one way to monetize it also, right? I feel like I haven't really created anything to monetize it, but I think it's a really great thing. And it also pushes me to do it better and better, for sure. Well, let's give a shout out to the sponsors now, shall we? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Yeah, but I have the two really two sponsors that really have we weren't a lot to we weren't big mm. at all. We aren't still aren't that big, but we are a very niche, like pretty active community. So I had a sponsor from a company called Albacross and a company called Hockey Stacking in Europe that have really been really nice to me and really wanted to be a part of something where the dialogue is actually going on. Because in this community, we talk a lot about different tech tools, right? But we are very honest also and open about things that's working good and things that's working not so good. And I think that's really where the, the value lies. And I think that's the, everyone is talking about communities these days and all companies want to build up communities. But it's, I think it's hard for a company to build up a community and get it as engaging than if a person does it. Because I am in there engaging every day, but if a company would do it, be hard to have the same kind of trust for it, I would assume. Yeah, I totally agree. So you can build this up, like generate revenue from sponsorship and uh, it's going to be a very valuable asset for yourself or if anybody else wants to, I don't know, buy it or like get involved in the future. So I think it's a great thing to do and a great niche as well because demand generation is like blowing up around the world. And so just yeah. picking like a smaller, like not competing with any of the bigger players in the US, but picking like the European version and then becoming the leader there, I think is going to be very powerful. Yeah, and exactly. And I think like the hard thing I never really set out to go for like you. I welcome people from the US as well if they are hopefully in a similar time zone because that makes it easier. But I think the space has already started to get so crowded in the US. And I think still think there are so many people that are already leading this there. And I think it's a bigger need in Europe, to be honest, to talk about this. I, I still think it's funny when I search for like jobs in Europe around either Lydian or like Demandian. Demandian is really really small compared to more Lydian oriented roles or compared to, and that really says it all also. I think we still have a long, long way to go. <laughs> and you're going to help us get there faster. So if anybody yeah. here wants to know more about Adam, I suggest going, searching for Adam Holmgren on LinkedIn, following Connecting, because almost daily, I think we're getting some demand generation wisdom, right, Adam? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and then Searching the demand generation movement in Apple Podcasts, Spotify to follow his show. And it's also demandgenerationmovement.com. Yeah. Awesome. Did I miss anything out? No, it's great. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Thank you, Adam. And thank you very much for listening to that episode of the Confessions of a B2B Marketer podcast. Thank you for Adam for coming on and sharing his wisdom, for being so transparent about the work they are doing at GetAccept in the world of demand generation. Now I've got to give out a shout out to my man Jakob, 
who is one of the co-founders of Speak on Podcast. Google that and go and check them out. Who's actually a recent guest. Here's a review. If you like scripted podcasts, you might want to skip this one. But if you like genuine conversations with kick-ass B2 marketers, this show is for you. Yes, yeah, so that's a review on Apple Podcasts. If you would like to get a free shout out in an outro of this show, simply go to Confessions of a B2B Marketer, search for that or podcast, leave a rating and review, ping me on LinkedIn, tell me you've done it, and I will then insert this in the outro for you. Now, also while I have you here, I've got to give a massive shout out to the first sponsor of this year of the Confessions of a B2B Marketer podcast, it's Ahrefs. And it's actually one of the few websites that I log into each morning. So I typically start off the day with focused time around the marketing and growth of Fame and Bcast. And a massive part of that is obviously building backlinks, understanding competitor search volumes and everything else regarding SEO. Now, Ahrefs have a free product that will give you basically all of those things, backlink checkers, health checks, and also keyword rankings. So go and check that out. Go to ahrefs.com or hrefs.com as you like to be called. And please just start a free trial or start that free account because it is, as I mentioned, one of the most important tools I recommend for any B2B marketer. So again, thank you to Adam. Thank you to Jakob. Leave a rating review on Apple Podcasts. Go and check out HRS. And of course, thank you for listening.